0: Before we start, I just want to share this scripture that that came to mind um, before we start this morning. I just want to share this from Isaiah 55. Isaiah is is prophesying of the of the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ, and what God's going to do through Jesus in the earth. And Isaiah saw something so awesome coming to the earth through the work of Messiah. And this is what Isaiah says is going to happen on the inside of people who see and believe God's awesome work. Isaiah even refers to his work as alien, strange, an unusual work um, that is foreign to man's way of thinking. And then here he says what happens on the inside of those who get it, who see it, who receive it, and who enjoy it. Isaiah chapter 55 Look at verse 12. I love this. Isaiah 55, verse 12. For you, go out, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Isn't that awesome? That's what I wanted to read. That that there's a whole much. There's so much in this chapter fifty-five, especially the very first few verses are awesome. Uh, verse one of chapter fifty-five says, "Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost." What is Isaiah seeing there? He's seeing an incredible grace that was coming to earth a work that was so awesome that you who have no money come without cost come and he says when you see it when you get it that you'll actually what happens is this you you literally are transcending this realm, we've been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven does not come like men think, it shall be within you. So when the spirit of God comes within a believer, you have within you, Jesus said, and Paul said, the kingdom of heaven is within. So the realm of God is within, and that realm is full of joy, 24-7, when the angels announced the birth of the Christ, they said, we bring you good good news of a great joy which shall be to all people. That reality is inside of us. So what happens, saints, is that when you walk on this earth, because of what is inside of you, it will appear as if the trees, as they're moving in the wind, are clapping. It will appear as if the whole earth is rejoicing. The mountains shall shout for joy. Why? Because within you is his joy. Jesus said, I leave my joy with you. I leave my peace with you. Not as the world gives. The world gives happiness, but happiness only happens when there's something happening. But when there's nothing happening, there's no happiness. But Jesus gives joy Because joy is a constant reality because God is always God. And God is always inside of you. And God is always loving you. And God is not counting our sins against us anymore. That's the joy. That's the freedom. That's the awesome reality of a new creation. It is a joy unspeakable, Paul says, and full of glory. It's awesome. Or Peter said that. I mean, it's amazing. So when you walk this earth, you're you're walking, you transcend the realm of the flesh. You transcend transcend that which is of this creation. Uh, Hebrews talks about that which is of this creation. You transcend it. Scripture says if Jesus were on earth now, as far as if he was on earth now, he would not be a priest at all because it's a heavenly reality. He's already transcended this area. This this whole land has been transcended. He became born of a woman, born of the flesh. He was born under the law so he could release us from the law. But he has died and been raised again. He is glorified now. He is a high priest who sits in the heavenly realm and the true tabernacle, which you are joined to him. You have also transcended. Know you not that you are no longer of this creation and you walk in this world, this realm, but within there's a joy that transcends so that even the trees appear to be clapping in your presence. It's awesome. Isaiah saw this. Isaiah saw this other reality within. I tell you, the the scripture says, "The joy of the Lord is our strength." If we lose our joy, we lose strength. And there's no there's no religion on the earth. No religion on the earth that has joy. You realize that there's no religion on the earth that has joy. That's why only the Christian faith is the faith with all the singing, all the songs. Look at all the other religions. There's no singing. There's no joy. There's no rejoicing. Why? Because they're still in their sins. They still are trying to work their ways to some some scheme, some system to be better and be holier so that somehow they can get, you know, find their God and find peace. The whole work of Messiah is that God came and took it away. The angel said, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be to all people for he shall save his people from their sins. Joy is directly related to you realizing that you are not in your sins anymore. Because condemnation is gone when you see that. And if condemnation is gone, then there's peace. We have peace with God. If there's peace and there's no sin counted against you and that you've actually been created new in him, and you've actually been moved into another realm by the Spirit of God, translated into the kingdom of the beloved Son, then there is no barrier to Him. We rest. The true Sabbath rest is not a day. That was a picture of the real rest, which is Christ Himself. Union with Christ is the true Sabbath rest. That's the true Sabbath rest. And in that place of rest... We have access to the Father through him by one spirit, Paul says. We go boldly now to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. There's nothing between you and God now because of what Jesus did. And there will never be anything between you and God because he's a high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. Now, I believe what that really means, intercession for us. The word intercession, I don't believe it means he's praying for us. The word in the Greek intercession means he stands in our place. Which is is the meaning of intercession. Praying for another. But he stands in our place. He stands in the presence of God for us. Basically what God says is as long as this high priest is alive, as long as this high priest lives, your sins will never be held against you again. He goes, I swear. It'd be enough if God said, I promise. Because it's impossible for God to lie. But by two unchangeable things. He promised. And he swore. That we might have strong encouragement. Those who have fled for refuge to this one. He lives He lives by the power of an endless life. He is our high priest. As long as he lives, it's impossible. He goes, I swear and I will not repent. God says, I, I will not repent of this. God says, I will not change my mind. That you might have strong encouragement to run to me. To know there's always an open door. He is the anchor that goes beyond the veil. He is the anchor that goes beyond the veil. That's the source of joy. That's where joy comes up when we realize, oh my gosh, there's nothing between me and God. Not because of what I'm doing or how good I'm doing or how good I did or how bad I did. has nothing to do with that. It's about Messiah. It's about the Christ. Isaiah said, oh my gosh, this is something else. Peter talked about this, the prophets prophesied of the coming of the Messiah and the grace that was coming to us after the suffering of this one. They, they inquired about this one, of when his appearance would come and who he would be. Peter said, they inquired of this, of this after he would suffer, the grace that would come to us. Knowing this, that, knowing this, the prophets knew this, they were not speaking to themselves, they were not prophesying to them, themselves in their generation, but they were prophesying to you. Peter said that, they were speaking to you when they said this, the mountains will break forth the, uh, like joy, and the trees will seem to clap their hands before you because this was coming. So just remember, saints, that the joy of God is our strength. And if we lose our joy, it's because we are thinking wrongly. We have forgotten, Peter says, we have forgotten that we were once purged from all our sins so that we can rest and enjoy Him. Isn't that cool? All right, that's not what I want to share today, but I just want to give, that is, I just think that joy is so important just to remember joy is what it's all about in terms of, I don't know, just, just. God is joyful. I mean, Hebrews talks about the Messiah. In Hebrews, chapter 1 of, of uh, Hebrews, it talks about, um, or chapter 2, I think it's chapter 1. It talks about the Messiah was anointed with gladness above his fellows. He was The Spirit of God was, was anointed Christ with joy and gladness above his brothers. He was a joyful Messiah. I mean, he looked up to the earth sometimes, from the earth. The Scripture says he would pray, and he looked up to the earth rejoicing. Jesus looked up to the Father and looked up at rejoicing, the Scripture says, saying, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from those who think they're wise and reveal them to babes. For so it seemed good in thy sight, Father, to do it this way. See? Part of joyfulness is just being childlike. Never lose the wonder. Never lose the trust. Those who think they have it all figured out, those who think themselves wise, those who think that, you know, God is not that good, it can't be that good. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the strong. He hides himself from those who think themselves wise, but reveals himself to babes. It's awesome. So, and what's cool about this joy is it's his joy. It is joy that is not related to circumstances. It transcends circumstances. Yeah, Tina. Yeah, enthusiasm in the Greek means to be enthused with God. In, in God. Oh, in God. in God. Cool. I love that. Yeah, that makes it in theos, in theos, enthusiasm. That's awesome. In God, to be in God. What's that? Somebody said something. Yeah, Kevin. Ken? 24. What's it? 24. Oh, yeah, Jude 24. I love Jude 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and who present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That goes together. Without fault and with great yes, joy. Yes, that's it. See, there it is. Without fault or blameless in some translations, with great joy or exceeding joy. That's it. That's it. See, we lose sight of the blamelessness that he has brought to us And we lose our joy. You can trace a lack of joy almost always back to forgetting the reality that he remembers your sin no more. He remembers your sin no more. And remember what Clark said a few weeks ago, which was so profound. He said, the reason why he doesn't remember our sin is because it's not there. The new creation has never sinned, never will sin. Cannot sin. First John three nine, the new creation cannot sin for the seed of God abides within you. The new man. Your only problem is this flesh, this body. And it's not a problem with God. He's like, I'm not worried about it. Why are you focused on it? See, God says, Forget the flesh. Don't set your mind on the flesh. Don't look as if you're still in the world and still of this flesh because you're not. You're of me now. You're from above. You're not from below. Set your mind on things above. Look at me. Fix your eyes on me. Look to me. Come to me. Don't be afraid. And the moment you leave this body, the moment you die, actually not you die, but the moment your body dies, the moment the body gives out, for the body is dying because of sin that's still in this mortal body, the power of sin, The Spirit's alive because of His righteousness. The outward man is decaying every day, but the inward man is being renewed every day. When you put off the shell, when the shell finally crumples, and you step out of this shell, (sighs) absent from the body, present with the Lord. Joy unspeakable, full of glory what Paul saw when he said I had this experience I was out of the I couldn't tell if I was out of the body or in the body God gave me this experience I, I think he was showing me what it's like out of the body but it was unbelievable I can't even say what I saw it was so awesome now walking by faith in this world is living every day in that moment that you step out of the body in other words whatever you'll experience when you step out of the body you live now And that revelation and faith now, while in the body, that's walking by faith and not by sight. Looking not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Looking not at your performance, but on this reality. That's walking by faith. That's how you can walk on water. As we keep our eyes on him, that's that's, that's that's why the church is so anemic in faith, weak in faith, because they've been given a steady diet of law. A steady diet of doing in order to be. The scripture says the law is not of faith. I started to write, write my book about 18 years ago. <laughs> about 18 years ago, I started to write my book. And the very first line I typed, I still have the manuscript. And now that, that line is buried in the manuscript because I have stuff before it and after it now. But that very first line I typed in my law office 18 years ago. I typed, the law is not a faith. That's where it all started. The law is not a faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so with this steady diet of law, we don't have, our faith is not exercised. Because all you're doing is trying to do, 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 do. But faith is all about believing promise, 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 promise. So, when God says, This is what I've done, do you believe me? It's nothing to do. It's just believe or don't believe. And when you believe, faith is strengthened. You get more revelation of Him and what He has done and who He is. You believe, faith is strengthened. And then you get nourished by the revelation of Him. That's why we read the Old Testament. We don't read the Old Testament to to find rules to keep, laws to obey. We read the Old Testament for a revelation of him that we might believe more fully. Jesus said, all the scripture speaks of me. He told the Pharisees, you search these scriptures and you think in these scriptures you have life. You, You think you're the people of the book. You think that the Ten Commandments are the hot stuff. You think that's where it's at, the Ten Commandments. You think the law is, is hot. I mean, that's, that's where it's at, to learn the law of God and be obedient. You think that's where you have life, Jesus said. But that law, that scripture speaks of me, Jesus said. And you won't come to me, that you might have life. For he has fulfilled all things, for Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to all who believe. Knowing this first, that the law is not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. And Paul says, there are those who are zealous out there who who want to be teachers of the law, not knowing this first, that it is not for the righteous. They want to be teachers of the law. They're zealous to be teachers of the scriptures so they can teach law, teach precepts, precepts in life, principles of life. And that's just a buzzword, another word. That's code for law, people. When you hear a lot of teaching about principles, that's law. Don't let someone just change the word from law to principles, precepts in life. Oh, beloved, beloved, learn the precepts of life, the principles of life. Learn that God doesn't like sin. Learn, look at the judgments that fell on Israel. Look at all these things. You must be, oh, beloved, learn the precepts. Be obedient to God. It doesn't fool me anymore. It doesn't fool me anymore. That's just law. It's not a revelation of Christ. There's no life in it. There's no glory in it. There's no joy in it. It doesn't draw you in to believe more. It puts you on this treadmill to do more, to raise the standard of holiness, to try to end up, to try to be like that teacher. I want to be like her. She's godly. I want to be like her. I want to be like him. He's godly. He's got to be godly because he's talking about being godly. No, Paul preached grace. Paul preached Christ. And it was almost like, you know, when you preach Christ, you preach grace. It's almost like it's, it's, very, it's very humbling because you don't, you're not talking about yourself. Paul says we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. We preach Him. I boast in the grace of God, Paul says. I boast in His grace. And, mo- and most people, I've had people years ago when I would preach this message, they'd say, man, you must have a major sin problem because you're always talking about grace. <laughs> But it, it, but it tells you how people think. See, people, people, people like to hear people talk about obedience and law and all this because that, that, that kind of the, the hidden message there is that I'm doing this stuff and you should be doing it too. But when you preach grace, you preach Christ, and you don't preach yourself, it doesn't ring in the natural mind. It doesn't fit in, the, in those who are humble and they are thirsting for God. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's like cold water. Because they, they know they can't do it. And he did. You see? So even the preaching of the gospel humbles a man because you, have to, you don't preach yourself. You're not talking about how you get up at four in the morning and pray for three hours. You're not talking about how you fast 30 days. You're not talking about all the good things you do. Paul says, I'm a fool for saying this. Paul says, I'm a fool for saying this, but look, this is what I do. This is my life. This, this is what I've been through. You know, you Corinthians don't even think I'm an apostle. I mean, this is ridiculous. So I'm going to brag on myself for a little bit. And Paul said, I know this is foolish, this is ridiculous, but all right, all right, look. This, I, and you listed all these things. He says, I'm a fool. I'm a fool for writing this. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to let you see I'm really an apostle. God's really with me. This is ridiculous that you even doubt that God has sent me, is what Paul is saying. But he hated to talk about himself. He hated to talk about himself because he was so enraptured with the Christ. And he knew that's where life was. You cannot be me. I cannot be you. But you can have Christ. And Jesus himself can be in each one of us. Isn't that awesome? That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. And that's how we should teach and preach others. And be, be bold. Be not ashamed of the gospel of grace. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to, to boast in God's grace and say, I need it. Paul says, I was the chiefest of sinners. You know, I persecuted the church. I drugged them out of their homes and tortured them and made them, you know, uh, Profane the name of Christ. I was was the chiefest of sinners. He saw himself as the chiefest of all sinners because he was persecuting the body of Christ herself. And he says, look, God showed me grace so that I'd be an example that you can never go too far. I had him killed. Paul says, I had him killed. I had believers killed. I had him killed and tortured. I had the body of Christ killed. That's why when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he says, Paul, why do you persecute me? That's when he got the revelation. The believers are his body. Why do you persecute me? You. I'm persecuting your followers, not you. No, Paul. It's me. They're my hands, they're my feet, they're my body. I their head, they my body. We're one. Touch them, you touch me. You see? Paul says, Oh Lord. And then all this revelation started coming to him. With no condemnation, the Lord speaks to him and says, I am sending you forth, Paul. I'm sending you forth to open the eyes of the blind. Because that's wh- that's where it begins. Seeing. To open the eyes of the blind. They might receive the forgiveness of all their sins and an inheritance, an inheritance that is given to all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Awesome. So awesome. Okay, that's not what I was going to speak on. Let's go. Lord, we just thank you so much. Lord, we just thank you so much. Help us more to experience this joy. Lord, thank you. I just know that was on your heart to talk about your joy this morning and encourage us to never forget, as Hazel just quoted Jude twenty four twenty five. never forget that you have made us blameless. You have made us without sin. You have made us pure and perfect, and therefore we have joy let us never forget that we've been purged from all our sins this is the good news that the angels announced that hasn't changed from that morning in Bethlehem good news to all people of a great joy which shall be to all for in the city of David this day is born a savior a savior for you for he shall save his people from all their sins Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Amen. I just want to share a few thoughts, saints, about... And we'll, we'll come back to this some other time when we have more time. But in the Gospel of John, in chapter 4... The Gospel of John, chapter four. I love this this entire chapter about when Jesus meets up with the Samaritan woman. What time does you might have a time, the time? It is twenty after. Oh, we better not do this then. I'm, I'm really going to try to start ending a little bit like on, more on time. So we can get, you know, have time to go because they're going to, they closed the coffee, I think out there at 1020 and that 1025. Okay. That gives you time to get out and get coffee and stuff before. So I'm going to do a better job of ending on time. So, but we'll, we'll revisit the Samaritan story. If you want to look at chapter four, it is rich chapter four, gospel of John, um, what Jesus said and did Gail, I just have thinking you had spoken of potentially... Hebrews. Yes. I'm going to ask, um, I'm thinking about, I'm looking at the soccer schedule when we're going to be out of town. But I think I'm, I'm just going to have to miss some of those Sundays, but um, I'm going to probably announce it pretty soon. I want to um, uh, have Clark announce it or someone announce it um, in the main meeting. So if anybody wants to start with the series, they can start coming. So we'll, we'll do it pretty soon. Maybe next Sunday might be the announcement. For, for the beginning of the next Sunday, something like that. But real soon, I really want to start doing that. There's so much in Hebrews. It's, it's rich. And I would love to do, I love to do line by line. You know, just, so really soon, just trying to work out the schedule and stuff. Love you guys.